Well, hey there. My name is Pastor Tim, and you have found my podcast. I currently serve as the pastor of First United Methodist Church of Fort Pierce, Florida, and I'm so grateful to be able to connect with you in this way. This podcast is a collection of my sermons and teachings that I hope you will use to deepen and strengthen your connection with Jesus Christ so that you might go and transform the world around you. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. So do you remember the first time that you were invited to something important? I don't know that I remember like the very first birthday party that I was invited to, but I do have a memory, like a core memory of the first time that I slept over at a friend's house, which happened to be his birthday, right? Because my my friend Daryl, he lived about a block uh, north of where I lived, and I just remember it was so strange and so wonderful to sleep away from my own house, right? But also to be invited in to sleep at someone else's house, to, to see the inner workings of his family was uh, just a new and wonderful experience. Because there's something different about your relationships. Something different happens in them when you are invited into someone's personal space. Like in a, in a world of acquaintances, you know, folks that we meet in school, at work, and, and even in church, there's a kind of special bond that occurs once we are chosen to come and have a more intimate communal moment with someone. We step into the realm of that person's personal life. A few layers of protection are peeled off. We begin to, you know, see the real person. And that allows us to be a bit more real and vulnerable with them as well. See, when we say yes to an invitation, uh, to a party, to a dinner, a restaurant, a walk, even just a conversation, we are immediately saying yes to an investment. Because we are at the very least investing a little bit of our time. And that investment of time often pays off and we invest deeper and deeper into a relationship. And the more that we invest, the more that that relationship grows and suddenly we go from just being acquaintances to to being friends. Then we go from being friends to becoming family. And this is the way of things, and and I think it's the way of things because I know for a fact that it's how God created us to experience life as a family together. See, the brokenness of the world has separated us all into strangers, but I'm 100% positive that God's initial and final intention for the human race is that we truly see one another and treat one another as a family. Not like the messed up kind of family, right? Like, like the real loving kind of family. You got to like make that distinction sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're beginning a short but mighty sermon series called 
dun dun dun, invited, right? <laughs> and this series is going to take a look at how God has invited us into the fruitful and flourishing life of stewardship. You might be thinking to yourself, that sounds a lot like money. And you're right. It is about money. But wait, before you walk out the door, it's about so much more than just money. See, stewardship is about recognizing the most core base assumption that we have as Christians. That everything that we have is a gift to us from God. But even though it's like the core base assumption, it's the easiest one to forget, right? It's so basic, it's so easy that we often forget that it's even a part of what we claim to believe. And it's just so easy to forget because we work really hard for our stuff, right? I did that. And I'd like to use all of that for my own personal pleasure. Thank you very much, Mr. God. But when we remember that everything that we have is a gift that we've been given, that, that God is the one who really holds the title and the deed to all of our possessions, which include not just our money, but our time and our talents as well, then we are in the right frame of mind to consider maybe, possibly, accepting God's invitation to a life of stewardship, also known as a life of generosity. It's as if God has given you a job, one that you really weren't qualified for in the first place, pays you well over what you're actually qualified to receive, and then invites you to become truly rich by investing in a company stock option. It's an invitation to ownership in what God is up to in the world, ownership in the kingdom of God. And, and when we own a part of the company that we work for, we're probably more likely to work for its betterment, right? To help the place succeed. And so that's really all of the setup for this discussion that we're going to have for three weeks. We're going to see how we can respond to three simple but powerful invitations that Jesus made throughout the Gospels. We'll see how saying yes, saying yes to them can radically alter our hearts, our minds, and our lives. In Matthew's Gospel, the, the first book of the New Testament, Jesus is heavily portrayed as the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. See, Matthew wants the people that he's writing to, his fellow Jewish people, to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the one that Israel has placed all of their hope in for all of these centuries. You see, by the time that Jesus arrived on the scene, Israel had gone from a mighty and wealthy nation, blessed by God and promised to be the light of the world, to a thorn in the armpit of the Roman Empire. They had, they had no sovereignty, no authority, no power, no wealth, no light to shine anywhere. Their hope was that a Messiah, a new king, might come and rescue them 
and restore the kingdom of Israel. You see, Jesus, as it would turn out, was and is that Messiah. But Jesus' power didn't show up in military might like everyone expected that it was. Jesus' power showed up in miracles and in the way that he saw the plight of the human condition and offered people, people like you and me, a place to overcome their situations and to have their lives restored. And for some reason, that just wasn't good enough for a lot of people. Even John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, the one who baptized him and pronounced that the beginning of his ministry had questions about the way that Jesus was going about the business. All the places that Jesus went had folks who refused to believe that he was who he said he was. And Jesus had some stern words of judgment against those that he was that saw that he was capable of all these miracles and yet refused to believe that he was the Messiah. But after making bold statements about those who refused to believe in him, he turned around and he uttered these words in Matthew's gospel, beginning in chapter 11, verse 25. It says, At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So come to me, all you that are weary and carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, it's very easy to describe this invitation of Jesus to those who have not yet found their hope and their salvation in saying yes to Jesus' offer, Jesus' invitation to eternal life. I mean, it practically preaches itself, right? Like, what am I even doing here? But Jesus says, I reveal God to those whom I choose, and therefore come to me, all of you, and attach yourselves to me. It's not that difficult to understand on the surface. And it is true that this invitation is for those who do not yet call Jesus Lord. It's an invitation to the flourishing and comforting life that is offered to us through Jesus. But this is not like just an invitation that we receive one time. This is an invitation that gets repeated to us every single morning when we draw that first breath of waking air. Jesus gives us a standing invitation to come to him, to be present with him, and to have a relationship with him. And this is the really hard part about following Jesus. It's, it's easy to follow him when it's new and it's exciting. 
But continuing to say yes to Jesus' invitation to show up in our own spiritual lives and to show up in the life of the church is a whole separate reality. Because life gets busy, right? Life gets complicated. It's easy to slip into just a life, a cycle of declining the invitation of Jesus to be present, to show up. It's easy to decline the invitation of Jesus to a life of prayer. And the thing is, the longer that we decline the invitation, the easier it becomes to continue to say, no thanks, not today, not this week. Our hearts begin to close off. We slowly but surely put distance between us and Jesus and between us and the community of faith. Before we know it, it's as if none of it was of any value in the first place. This becomes a thing we used to do. But this is not the life that Jesus has invited us to. Jesus has invited us to yoke ourselves to him, which means that we are connected to him and to one another as co-workers in this world. In early agrarian agricultural societies, a yoke was a physical restraint that connected animals or even slaves to one another and to their master. The yoke could be and was often a symbol of oppression and ownership. But it also signified the reality that these animals or these people had a common master and a common occupation. Particularly for animals, it meant that they were connected and able to pull a plow or a wagon at the same speed sharing the burden of the work. Jesus' invitation to put on his yoke is representative of these two realities. He invites us to put on the symbol that we belong to him. But it also invites us into the co-working relationship and community that is the church. As the physical manifestation of Jesus' love in and for the world, we are called to show up for work every day by being active and present in the life of the local church. And we're called to check in with the boss every day through the act of prayer. We are called to continue to learn from Jesus and from one another how it is that we are called to live and just what it looks like for us to truly love. And Jesus' next words are almost ironic because he says, once you show up for work and put this heavy yoke on, which actually is light, according to him, but once you show up for work, you will find rest for your souls. And I don't know about you, but I don't associate work with rest, right? I've worked my fair share of really hard production-driven jobs over the year, and I never got home and thought, wow, what a restful day of mowing lawns in 95-degree Florida weather. Feeling good. Man, what a time up on that roof today, just so much closer to the sun. I feel so rested, like I could party all night. But what I do know is that doing the work of God in the world 
does provide the rest that Jesus promises. He's careful with his words. He doesn't promise a life of relaxation. He doesn't offer us a spa day. But he does promise a life of soul rest. And soul rest, my friends, is something that often comes to us when we are physically exhausted from doing the work of God. Soul rest is a gift that comes to us when we look back at what we've done and say, that was hard, but that was the work of Jesus done in the way of Jesus. Soul rest comes when we sit with one another and share our burdens together. It comes when we engage in the real work of getting vulnerable with one another. Soul rest comes when we put ourselves out there for one another and for our world. The United Methodist Church has held to a slogan of open hearts, open minds, and open doors for a number of years now. And we practice having open hearts by answering yes to Jesus' invitation to come to him. Worship attendance in the United States has plummeted to all-time lows since 2020. And what we found is that by physically removing people from the physical fellowship of the church, it just became less and less likely to ever return. When we get removed from the source of our encouragement, from the love of God expressed to us through community, we just naturally stay away from it. And that's just a statistically proven fact at this point. But our other source of connection to Jesus that often suffers, regardless of whether we show up to church or not, is our prayer life. We get too busy to stop and pray, to seek direction. The more we go without prayer, the more closed off our hearts get. Not just to God, but to the world around us and the people that inhabit it. But God has invited us into a life where we give back by showing up. Because our time is God's. And we are called to use our time for God's purposes. And we are called to do that work together. In describing the nature of the church, the Apostle Paul uses the analogy of the body. While he's specifically speaking into a community that's riddled with conflict, mostly over who's more important to the church. He tells them that everyone brings specific and equal gifts and purposes to the table. So he says these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 12. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, well, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, well, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. See, when we show up, regardless of how little we think we have to offer, the church is better. I've got a friend named Michael who's a pastor, and his slogan at his church is, it's better when you're here. And I've been thinking about stealing that for years now. I even asked him if I could steal it, and he said, sure, I'll give it to you. Because it's true. It's better when you're here. When you're here, when you're present, the church is better. Your gifts, your unique you-ness makes this church more of who God has called it to be. When you're here, so much more is possible for you and for us. Christ has invited you to a life of prayer and a life of presence, which could simply be summed up as a life of connection. Connection to God and connection to God's people. See, America is in what psychologists call a loneliness epidemic. We are more disconnected and disassociated from real meaningful connection than ever before. This is not what God wants for us. This is not what God wants for you. So if we have your address, you should be receiving or already received a commitment card in the mail. If you didn't get one or you already lost it, threw it away by accident, we have extras and we'll put them over here uh, by the door for you to take in the coming weeks. But what I want you to do over this week is to look at this left-hand pane on the inside under the open heart. And prayerfully consider how you will commit to the stewardship of your prayers and your presence. You know, will you commit to praying for the church? Will you commit to praying for the community over the next year in 2024? Will you commit to being in worship on a weekly basis? Will you commit to attending a Bible study or a class? Will you commit to maybe taking the next step and joining the church? Will you commit to attending United Methodist Men or United Women in Faith? Will you commit to everyone's favorite, attending church business meetings? <laughs> Making your voice known and directing the church. I know that not everything is for everyone, but I do believe that everyone can find at least one way to commit that there is something for everyone at every stage of their faith journey. And I hope that you will join me in finding rest for our souls. And RSVP, yes, to Jesus' invitation to connection. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for all of the ways that you have invited us into your kingdom. 
the ways that you have invited us to participate in this world in your way. So God, we just ask that you would stir in our hearts, that you would move us to say yes to new and even scary things. Say yes to things that we're not sure of just yet. Give us the willingness to, to just show up. Because you said, come to me all who are weary. And God, we are all weary. We are all heavy burdened. This is a, a tough world to live in. So God, we thank you for your open arms and for your open heart. And so we just ask that you would show us how to have open hearts as well. And that through the gift of our prayers in our presence, that we might truly show the world that, that this place is better if they show up. That this place is better when they're here. We love you, and it's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray.